HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are Borkens Life Promo Studio at Providers in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We, sushi, uh, we see sushi at every daily and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to admit the demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guests today are Hawi Valley and Jose Ganem. Hawi is uh, the Associate Dean at the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, and he oversees the new Japanese culinary program. Jose is a junior student at the CIA, and he has studied Japanese cooking in the new program. Japanese cuisine has been popular, particularly for the last decades, but there's no formal and extensive culinary courses focusing on Japanese cuisine uh, in this country, actually. So um, today we'll talk about the details of new Japanese programs uh, that the CIA, why it's created now, and why, uh, what students can learn from it, and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japan Eats is available on Heritage Radio Network uh, website as well as iTunes and Stitcher podcasts. Please go to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe to Japan Eats. Also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show, uh, of the show or show guests, please uh, let us know. Uh, you can email us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org. Now, let's start our conversation with Howie Valley and Jose Kanem. Hello, Hoi. Hello, Jose. Welcome to Japanese. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so uh, first, uh, what is your background? Uh, first, Howie. Um, well, I've been a chef my entire 
adult life and part of my child life. Mm. Um, 30, 32 years cooking. Nice. Um, I've been, uh, this is my ninth year at the CIA. Wow. And uh, I teach, uh, well, I'm associate dean, but I had taught in the past all the world cuisines mm. to include Japanese. Um, so I, I like to think that I'm pretty versatile and, and sort of uh, reflective of chefs today mm. in, in the world, that we have a lot of different uh, right. uh, specialties. We're mm. not just tied to one thing right. anymore. And so. also you see uh, the whole uh, kind of uh, strategy, history, everything about the CIA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, we're all about cooking and food, and that's you know everyone that's involved at, at CIA, whether faculty, staff, or students. Obviously, mm. we're all on the same plane. Right. Um, we are all about food. Mm. That's that's our whole existence. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Jose, what about you? Well, I have been a chef. I guess I'm still in my child life. So I have been three um, three years into my education at the CIA. Mm. I just recently took the Japanese course offered by my school. And as a, I love eating, and that's what brought me to the CIA. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite contacts with food, one of the first ones that I realized I wanted to be enrolled in this industry, was teppanyaki. So, mm. of course, when the opportunity to have a Japanese class came, it's... This is, has to be part of my education. Interesting. Here. I mean, Tepanyaki is kind of like a La Plancha. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. Right. So interesting. Okay. Um, the funny thing about Jose right. is that he is a baking and pastry student. Oh. So we have culinary students and baking and pastry students. So he's unique in his world in that he's focused on Japanese cooking, mm. but he's also a specialist and a chef in the baking and pastry world. Interesting. So, yeah, wow. absolutely. And it's what's really interesting how flexible the CIA is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about the detail of Japanese cuisine and the detail of baking and pastry, mm. they go together. Right. So, And I think the line between culinary and pastry becoming kind of blurred. It's blurred, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. In an exciting way. So yeah. that's great. Okay. Um, so uh, the new Japanese culinary program is called Japanese Advanced Cooking. Advanced Cooking Japanese Cuisine. Okay. Yeah. And the first semester started, as far as I know, it's September 13th and ended in December 13th last year. And I believe this is uh, the very first semester-long uh, Japanese program by an educational institution that offers college degrees in this country. So what is the objective of the program? Well, I mean, we, we are embracing the, the popularity and the, the specialty of Japanese cuisine. You know, it's uh, certainly a, an important world cuisine, mm. and uh, we want to be on the cutting edge of that. Right. Okay. So, um, so what kind of uh, contents does it cover? Um, well, it's 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 really an introductory class mm -hmm. for the most part, but it gives you a, a pretty in depth, mm. um, a pretty in depth education in uh, the basics of washoku. Right. So it really gets into, you know, the the, the fundamentals of Japanese cuisine. Right. And do you teach also uh, history and culture and the kind of aspects? Yeah, so? absolutely. Jose can speak to that a little bit. Mm. Well, definitely the length of the class covers, as uh, Chef said, basically focus on kaiseki. So we start mm. from building up our dashi and we jump into the different courses a kaiseki dinner will have. Mm. And as I'm pretty sure all our listeners are very familiar with, it includes from anything that is steamed, poached, fried, and ends up with a little bit of tea and dessert. Mm. And all of these sections of the class, of course, have a 
pre-lecture on why is this kaiseki the way it is, where it originated in the period of Japan's history, how is it perceived in today's Japan, who attends these dinners. For example, one of the most interesting was Sushi Day. Mm-hmm. And contrasting how we perceive sushi in America and how will rice particularly play uh, a part in kaiseki dinner, in formal Japanese fine dining. Mm-hmm. So this, beyond the cooking, it's a culture course. And that's what makes it advance and interest us as students at the scene. Wow. Well, looking at Jose, he's so excited and energized. I feel like I, I should attend the class too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> Get enrolled. <laughs> he, he has really and truly bra- embraced the, uh, the, the full spirit of Japanese cooking. Mm. So. Yeah, but it's interesting that kaiseki people think it's, it's really, uh, you know, the top of the pyramid of whole Japanese cuisine, but it's uh, it's really a summary of history and respect to ingredients, seasons. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I yeah, think even to the dishes. I mean, we we were, uh, you know, Western cooking is not specific to a dish or to, you know, certainly we're seasonal, but we're not we're not picking a dish based on its color and it's it's reflection of the season Mm. and that's one of the the amazing things about japanese cuisine is that there is that detail and that was the great thing to share with students is that the dishes and every element of the the table Mm. was a part of the meal you know and that that's really that's that's really part of the uniqueness of of the whole experience Mm. so you mean by you know how the bowls and plates are arranged or the kind of thing as well and just the colors and uh right. you know just the the styles of the dishes and how uh those you know the dishes are specific to certain the dishes themselves the actual ceramic ware are particular to a dish mm. you know and that's that's unique in the world right because so, yeah. i think uh, up until only 20 years ago there's only white um, porcelain plates in New York City dining. I, I think it's still pretty pretty prevalent. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. white is still, you know, and, and certainly uh, Western cuisine has, has made a, a pretty brash attempt at adopting colors and, and different dishes into its its repertoire, mm. um, certainly with Southwestern cuisine and, and things like that. And your, your uh, three-star Michelin chefs have custom dishes a lot of times mm. designed for a particular food item that they prepare. Mm. But that's normal right. in Japanese cuisine and, and Kaiseki's cuisine. And that's what's interesting about it is that for, you know, for Western chefs, it's unique to have this special dish for a, a scallop, mm. whereas it's absolutely a mandatory dish for kaiseki. Mm. You know, like the dish has to match the food, and that's that's part of the interesting thing right. of the, the culture. Yeah, and sometimes I think uh, you know seasonal scenery um, in the absolutely. garden, the kind of summarized on the plate. Yes. So that's the idea. It's not just the ingredients, but right. the whole. And even the plating style, which was a big part of the. Uh, big part of the class and I, how you put food on the plate. I think so too. If I can share a personal experience from the class, we were putting this kaiseki dinner at the end. So we spent 12 weeks with Murushima-san, the head chef, and also the helping staff at the CIA. And everybody had to come up with a dish. And as the only baker in the class, or the other baking pastries, <laughs> like, okay, Jose's going to do the dessert. And I made a hojicha pudding that was the centerpiece of my dessert. 
and we spend three classes trying to decide what plateware will be. Mm. And from this, I get three things. First of all, the respect of the ingredient. Just like Michelangelo will go to Italy and heard the pieces of marble and said, okay, this marble wants to be this particular figure. Chef was like, no, this uh, butternut squash doesn't want to be dessert. Take it to the other station. We need to get more butternut squash. Mm. So respecting the ingredient, of course, respecting the plateware. And third is every process... Every single step in the cooking process in Japanese cuisine has an impact in the final product. And you can see it. If mm. you don't mix it correctly, if you don't heat it up correctly, your final product will not be pleasing to the eye, to the mouth, to the senses. So that's like the third level mm. that I will name out of Japanese cuisine. It's pleasing to all senses. But mm. the opening is the eye. So all these experiences, chef saying, no, you're not going to use this plateware. Let's try another one. It was really eye-opening to what we can import from Japanese cooking style, from Japanese culture to America. As chef just said, and as everybody agree in the class, it's moment to bring some Japanese ingredient, Japanese culture, but most of all, Japanese cooking philosophy to Western cooking. And mm. I think that's the boom the CIA is answering towards. Mm. Very impressive. And no wonder CIA is called the Harvard of <laughs> culinary education. Yeah, it's, uh, and we had a partnership with a Japanese school. So we're not, uh, you know, we, we realize our limitations and we want to go to the experts, mm. you know, and we went to a, a school in Osaka, the Suji School. Right. We're going to talk about, uh, yeah. you know, the school and uh, Mr. Ashe from Marashima a little mm -hmm. later because I think it's very important. Right. So let me just uh, ask, how many classes do you have during the semester? Uh, we will normally in the bachelor's program where these classes offer, we'll have between five and six, mm. sometimes seven if the season allows it, but we limit our attention to only five subjects. Mm, okay. During normally the associate's degree, we will have two classes, but we have to consider that the CIA is a cooking school, so we might be cooking from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., so that's one class mm. every single day. Wow. So it, it doesn't allow us more flexibility, mm -hmm. uh, but in the bachelor's is better. Okay, right. And uh, so with this said, uh, the Japanese program, I heard it was every Tuesdays? It was Tuesday right. for about six and a half, seven hours. Mm. Yeah. So it's a long, it's a <laughs> long class. And it's all lab. I mean, they're, they're cooking and lecturing. Everything is done in the kitchen. The entire, and the, at the end of the day, it's not just cooking. They sit down and they discuss their dishes. They mm. talk about, you know, not just the lecture before class. They cook for six or seven hours, and then they sit down and eat and mm. discuss everything that they've done. Wow! So it's it's pretty it's pretty involved. It's a mm. long day. Okay, um, yeah, I think uh, I heard that there's like eleven different topics. I mean, days. That you can yeah, from. eleven or twelve, depending on the right. semester length. Yeah. So what what was the topic of each class? You can just you know you don't we, have to go through everything, but maybe. Well, we went through the the sort of big picture of all Japanese. So. Uh, yakitori, uh, kaiseki was the final experience. Uh, you did a bunch of other... Yes, yeah, so first of all, we started with the dashi. That was the first lecture, and we were one day doing dashi. It might be very simple, but chef will turn out. It's like, mm. this is not right, this is not proper, and it will be a matter of seconds. We continued with Nimono, 
when we went to Rice, we mm -hmm. also did some sukemono, the most interesting class came after agemono fried food. We mm -hmm. actually had a quite a, an interesting practical exam. Right. So tsukemono is pickles and agemono is fried food, yes. like tempura. Exactly. Right? So uh, we had this day when we had tempura and chef sat down in front of us and we had to plate a tempura plate for him. Mm. But it had to be on order and he was not only watching the final product, but if we put every single ingredient we were frying in the oil correctly. Mm. If it splashed, we get uh, minus points. Wow. So this was a very interesting day. Mm. That's, that's kind of important because like some tempura restaurants cook in front of you. Mm -hmm. You're going to splash oil <laughs> to your customers. Yeah, I'm not kidding. But <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Like the temperature of the oil, if it was very high, he mm. will note you down and he will make you redo everything that you fried mm. at that oil that was very hot because it was not proper for the taste. Right. So all these things that we don't think about suddenly is like, oh, this is so harsh, this is so strict. But at the same time, it's proper for the dish. Mm. Um, we continue with uh, noodles, of course. We did ramen, we did soba noodles. We had to, we, we needed with our feet. So we had a lot of Instagram videos that day that it was all the students kneading the dough of the ramen. With so the they didn't, we didn't just purchase noodles. We right. actually made the dough and mm. made the noodles fresh. Wow. So, yeah. Which is really unique. Right. Yeah. We continue with this, with sushi and then we finished, uh, we finished with the best wagashi desserts. Yeah, that's so for you, sweet. That's wagashi for me. That's, yeah. <laughs> and we also had a DA that we did tea and sake lecture. Wow. So those um, those topics caught most of the 12 days of the class. And, of course, the last, the Kaiseki dinner. Mm, so put them everything in sequence. Yes. Right, multi-courses. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I heard that you had a New York City field trip as well. Yeah. They had a full, a full day in New York on uh, one of the Saturdays. We just picked a middle day. And um, they took a trip to a couple of restaurants. Uh, Tea shops, I believe they went to Corin. You yeah. went to, oh, you can. We went to Corin. Um, the knife and specialist company. The knife specialist company, yeah, it, this was one of the best aspects of the trip. We started with tea in the morning, uh, Ipoto Tea nearby uh, Grand Central. Mm. Uh, one of the persons that were participating, our dear friend Sam, was a translator of the course, mm. uh, American but knows Japanese, took us there to start our day. So we had a match of demonstration. Then we followed up to Corin and we had a, a knife sharpening demo mm. with a master uh, sharpener. It was very interesting and most of our classmates got to buy some stuff and even one of us got lucky uh, and got a free knife that day <laughs> from Coring. That was that was very graceful. Right. We continued to have a lunch at Brochrock um, from David uh, Boulet. Mm -hmm. And we had, um, I will not say a kaiseki, but a multi-course meal mm -hmm. of all the techniques we were using in in the class that we were taking. Right. Well, the, because Sheikh Miyamada, uh, he was a graduate of Tsuji cooking yes. school. Mm. So that's totally the con a continuation of uh, what you're learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. We had there, we went there, and afterwards we visited um, some restaurant, um, I don't recall the name, but uh, from Morimoto, nearby okay. also Grand Central Station. Um, and it was a very interesting day. We, we wish we could have seen more. We did go to a Japanese supermarket in San Marks also. Okay. So we were, for a, it was supposed to be 20 minutes. We stayed there for almost an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we were very cut off buying stuff <laughs> to take back home. Right. And that opened our eyes to the possibilities of what could we serve in the Kaiseki dinner. Mm. So it was, that was what the main objective of the trip was. But after that, we keep coming to, uh, to New York 
knowing that out of Tokyo, New York, I believe, or mm-hmm. out of Japan, um, New York is the place where most Japanese restaurants uh, offers are beyond any other right. part of the world. So, That's true. Yes, we're, we're enjoying that commodity very well. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so the door is open. Thanks yeah. to the oh, yeah. Yep. Great. And uh, so why did the CA start the Japanese Curry program now? Well, we've uh, we've been friends with uh, different chefs and different companies in, in Japan for years. It's uh, we do a uh, uh, couple of conferences a year that are uh, out in our California campus. So we focus on different cuisines during those times, and in one of those was uh, fully focused on Japanese cuisine. Mm, that was uh, 2013 or something. Uh, I think yeah, 2013, right. and. Um, it uh, it just made sense to us that we needed to go a little bit further and discuss the the idea of doing a bigger uh, a bigger class and a bigger focus on Japanese cuisine, mm-hmm. and certainly uh, it's uh, popular. So it's it's not uh, you know if you look at any supermarket today, just about anywhere in the country, <laughs> there is uh, sushi. You know, um, everyone knows ramen noodles. Uh, people are starting to learn about udon and soba and mm. different things. And you know, it's just it's always been popular. Teppanyaki, you know, is is all over the country. It's you can go just about anywhere and find that. And it's it's the it's just cracking the door into the cuisine mm. and, and I think we're you know we want to be a part of opening the door all the way right. why do you think uh, Japanese cuisine is so popular I mean there are other really fascinating dishes I mean the, the I think it's easy actually it's umami I mean, you um. know I mean a lot of a lot of everything that that, that is Japanese cuisine is is based you know in some small way or mm. a big way in, in umami building that that flavor that savoriness and i think that you know and certainly it's it's not unique to japanese cuisine mm. i mean you find umami everywhere in the world obviously but uh you know it's just there's such a, a, a depth of uh drive to find umami in every element of japanese cuisine that just makes it uh, interesting to to humans. It's a good flavor, you know, mm-hmm. and, and obviously it's it's uh, it's gaining in popularity. It's it's something that uh, you know chefs want to know about. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just you, there's so much to know, and it's just we really wanted to be a part of that. Right. So yeah, because umami is an enhanced um, tastiness, also yeah. healthier too by. Replacing salt with sugar fat. Sure. So it's uh, in good direction. Just by virtue of what, you know, the, the amount of fish, the, uh, the rice, the, the steaming of, of vegetables versus sautéing or frying for the most part, it, it just makes sense that mm. it is healthier right. in the long run. Mm. Okay. And the balance of it, too. Right. You know, yeah. Right. And the uh, balanced uh, nutrition by balanced colors. Yes, yeah. I think that's Kaiseki's yeah. um, five elements, five colors. Yeah, five colors. Um, it's interesting that according to UNESCO, there's only three cuisines that are considered heritage of humanity. Mm. French, of course, where we the Western world feeds off um, their, uh, the alter ego of cuisine. Then we have Japanese, also considered uh, world heritage, and then Mexican. Right. And being Mexican, <laughs> uh, when I arrived to this country, well, there are certain preparations that everybody regards, like guacamole, and then you have tacos. But I believe that the millennial generation, the ones that it's attending the CIA right now, it's 
wants to go forward. So we're seeing all these cuisines that are worldly recognized, having all these options, and what Japanese cuisine does beyond the health aspect, the balance aspect, is the taste aspect. And that mm. t- taste is the trademark of CIA. We focus, yes, on this, but taste. And the way Japanese people approach test the taste of their foods, mm. it's something that it's really relevant. We are here in Roberta's. This is a place that opens up a proposal of, yes, we take these mainstream preparations, but let's just upgrade them to a wonderful taste using these ingredients, organic, local, something that you want to do. That's th- That approach Japanese has always had. Mm. So CH students is like, yes, let's focus on these type of cuisines and bring it to America. I believe instead of uh, us getting the heritage from Japanese cuisine and modify them, I think Japan has modified us. Mm. And that's why CIA, I think, wants to focus on how can we approach this and change from what we taste, what we feel, what we cook. Mm, interesting. And, you know, we've been talking about uh, Nordic cuisine, which is becoming very really popular. And I think Japanese and Nordic, they're in common because, you know, it's a uh, local seasonal. And... You know, like uh, Jose said, it's very specific, specific Japanese, but it's very global, too. Mm-hmm. You can apply many elements to your everyday dishes. Yeah? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and you see that in, in different uh, Japanese chefs that have traveled the world. If you see them uh, in Indonesia, Singapore, L.A., Chicago, New York, they're they're using their basic skills and twisting the local ingredients to fit mm-hmm. their dishes. Right. You know, so. Okay. And uh, I heard uh, there's a funding by Suntory for this program. Suntory gave us a fabulous grant mm. to be a part of this and to make this all possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I heard uh, it's like, uh, at least it's going to last for five years. For five years. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And hopefully longer. I mean, we're not anticipating just being done in five years. <laughs> this is just this is just the initial the mm. initial uh, the, the initial kickoff. funding. Yeah. yeah. Right. I hope so, too. Um, so the. And the first Japanese program was uh, jointly taught by uh, uh, Chef Hiroki Murashima yep. and uh, the Martin um, Matisik. Matisik. Right. Chef Matisik and Chef Murashima. Right. Um, that was the first time uh, to have a collaboration uh, between... The CIA has never collaborated with another school to the mm. same level and uh, partnered equally uh, with Suji on the delivery of this class. Right. Um, the Suji curriculum is Japanese curriculum came from from them. You know, they, they developed and designed the all the curriculum. But for us to bring someone into our fold mm-hmm. and to have them be fully integrated is that that really was a first time and it was a great experience for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Suji is a phenomenal, phenomenal school right. in Osaka and uh, Chef Murashima was uh, he was a, a great partner for us. He was probably the... I, I couldn't have picked a better person. Mm. You know? Right. So for uh, listeners who don't know uh, anything about Tsuji Culinary School, that's a uh, uh, top, uh, top culinary school in Japan, and it's the Tsuji Culinary Institute, and it's based in Osaka, like I said. And it was founded in 1960, and uh, they have two campuses in Japan and France, and offers uh, various international programs. So they're really into um, working globally. Yes. And uh, also the Tsuji Institute has been collaborating with Chef David Boulay, uh, who owns uh, uh, the brush truck in Tribeca, which Jose went to. And uh, Chef Marashima played a key role to launch a brush truck in 2011. 
And he saw his great success, and then he returned to Japan to teach at the Tsuji again. Yes. And then he came back to teach at CIA again. So. Yes, and we want him back again. Mm. Actually, we were talking about that earlier. I that, hope so. Yeah. Right. So, oh, it's not set yet? Uh, we're still uh, getting ready for the fall, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, Suji is very, very busy, and there's a lot of things going on. I know Chef Murashima is now in Thailand teaching. Um, and, uh, He's having problems with the heat. Yes. He, he, likes, our, he likes our weather better than Thailand. <laughs> um, That's smart. Wintertime yeah. New York. No, this yeah. is yeah. <laughs> So, But we definitely want him back. But either way, we're going to have a fabulous chef from, from Suji again be a partner with us. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Okay. And uh, what level of interest? Do students have when you release the information about the new program? It's it's they're very interested. I mean, that's you know, it's uh, the the challenge is is we want to build it into a bigger program, and we want to make it uh, involve uh, more time and mm. you know more time teaching Japanese. Uh, one day a week for twelve weeks is just a drop in the bucket mm. of, of what the potential is for for teaching uh, cuisine like Japanese. So we really want to get bigger and better. And, you know, all of those, any program, when you start curriculum, you don't start at the highest level. You start with small steps. So we're, mm. this is our initial stage to grow the program and become bigger. So initially we're starting with this this one day a week, and hopefully in a year or two will be a full semester program mm. with a, a pretty significant trip to Japan. That would be great. Yeah, Absolutely. I- and uh, so there was a program open to all students this time? Yeah, uh, baking and pastry, everyone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But, uh, I mean, the freshmen or? No, um, no. only uh, juniors and seniors. Mm, okay, yeah, because it, more specific. In the, in the first two years at the CIA, the, the students are um, kind of in a, uh, a very focused program, mm. either in culinary or baking and pastry. They don't have a lot of electives. They, they kind of have to go through all the fundamentals mm. and grow and go out on extern and, and work in the different uh, different cuisine and culture areas that we, we start with. Mm. Uh, then they, in the bachelor's program, in the, the junior and senior year, they have options to go on concentrations, not just Japan, but all over the world. Mm. Um, and, and focus on different uh, culinary science, management, uh, beverage, uh, beverage management, uh, wines, uh, baking and pastry, advanced cooking, all mm. different kinds of kinds of things. So they have a lot of different options. This is just one mm. one of those options. Right. Okay. So um, so it, at the end, how many students attended uh, this program? This particular one was nine, mm-hmm. I think. We had nine students yeah. and four members of faculty. Mm. Uh, we were almost full. But I believe that we became sort of an ambassador to the class. So now everybody sees us in the hall and is like, how do I get into the Japanese program? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we weren't able to, because with new york state when you when you start a new class or add curriculum or change anything you have to apply to the state and get uh, certification for any new classes and things like that mm. just so that you can apply credits you can't just come up with a class throw it into production and give credits mm. so our approval mm. process took a little bit longer than we expected so we weren't able to advertise fully beforehand and you know we everyone knew about it we just couldn't say yes we're going to do this until it was approved once it got approved was shortly before we started we'd like to do 18 students a class and that's pretty much our average mm. class size but this was nine which right. was 
actually perfect to start the class because <laughs> we had a lot of uh, new things to test out and we've we've never worked with a collaborator before so we had to figure out how that was going to work and that worked out great and right. this you know we had a translator in the class so there was a lot of mm. people in the class so if we had been full with 18 students it would have been over full right. with, with our translators and chefs so it was actually ideal to start a little bit, mm. a little bit lower. Next year we're already right. already booked for the the coming fall. Oh so, wow! Yeah, yeah. So it's good. That's exciting. Yeah, and that's because of of, of students like Jose who are out there <laughs> singing the praises of the, right. the Japanese yeah. class. Yeah, so. it's a good word, ambassadors. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about what uh, Jose learned from the Japanese culinary program. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats Broadcast, broadcasting live from the studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today uh, today is our uh, Hoi, um, Howie Valley and Jose Ganem. Uh, who is Associate Dean at the CIA and Culinary Institute of America and oversees the new Japanese culinary program. And Jose is a junior student at the CIA and uh, he has studied Japanese cooking in the new program. So I have uh, more questions to Jose. Uh, so why, um, why did you take the Japanese culinary program? Like, you know, the teppanyaki, of course, but is there anything else that you really wanted to learn? Well, first of all, in relationship with Antori or, or its sponsors, uh, the only restaurant that Suntory owns in America, it's in Mexico City. So ah. as soon as I knew that Suntory was supporting, it's like, this is like a sign of destiny. I must go here. <laughs> mm. The second thing is I have always been interested in world cuisines and cultures, specifically Japanese, for this connection that it had to UNESCO. So that's what I decided to, to enroll. And the third one is, as a baking and pastry student, this attention to detail that Chef uh, Video um, publicized uh, before in the program, I wanted to learn how can I approach this attention to detail from many preparations, including savory preparations, sashimi, sushi, agemono, 
and then also take it to pastry to mm. the wagashi. Right. So those were my three reasons of joining the class. Mm, interesting. Uh, we haven't had any uh, specific wagashi a Japanese sweets guest yet, but um, I think there's a lot of uh, elements that's incorporated in one piece of wagashi that I think you might create something similar in your know, own style. Absolutely, absolutely. Something really interesting is when we go to that lecture, one of the last lectures and classes we had over the day, uh, Chef Murushima-san brought two books of the Sichu Institute of Japan and he gave them to me. And he's like, this is Japanese tea sweets. Mm. And this is Western sweets. This is Western baked woods like croissants, but just made in Japanese style. Huh. And I was flipping through the baking and pastry book of the CIA and through the Sichu Institute baking and pastry book and the methods were, these were French style and these were, were Japanese philosophy approached to Western. And that was impressive. Mm. So these two comparisons of having a traditional wagashi that it's not, I don't think I can make it even if I practice five years. It's, it seems so detailed. <laughs> and also the uh, Western suites were also beautiful mm. and approached by the Japanese uh, philosophy. So that I think... It was one of the huge surprises of the class. Mm, so you could be one of the very few first people, pastry be, chefs, yeah. who can combine the two. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> come back in uh, three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you how it goes. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so um, it's hard to summarize. What did you learn uh, so far from the Japanese program? Oh, my. We still have 20 minutes. I might need two hours for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned technique. That was the first and most immediate technique. Uh, when you start something, you make sure that you start with everything you need and follow the steps carefully. That was the first thing. The second is how to approach flavor. Sometimes CI students, uh, we are very eager to finish, for example, a dish. And then we overlook, maybe in our first two, three months at the Institute, how does it taste? then we become aware of the importance of tasting through the process. And mm. by engaging in the Japanese course, it upgraded my education. That it's, it's very good at the CIA, but it upgraded to this cultural level where I was able to be, oh, this taste, the dashi, for example, this is so different from the other. The third one is cultural aspects. Mm. When we sat down to have the meal, um, it was not just like, okay, I'm going to eat some of these. It's, there's a protocol. So taking my first learning technique and taking my last one, protocol for eating, is how can we approach a a culture? And right now that Mm. um, the United States and Japan has had a very important closeness for political, economical and cultural reasons, I think this engaged us chefs in this democratic surrounding that we are living right now to be more courageous and to speak up mm. from a very fresh perspective. It's, there's nothing wrong about food. Food is not going to attack you. Food is not going to flip on you. Mm. So we have a new door. And we can now interact with people with a different language, not necessarily hostile as a political negotiation, but I don't think anybody will say no to a plate of excellent sashimi. Mm. So that is my third learning protocol and an approach to our common democracy. Wow, that's very powerful. Wow. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, that's very uh, energizing. Yeah, he's, he, he just kind of blew me away. No. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine when you taste the sashimi, that's like the complete experience. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> like, it's just focus you can, on you it. can drop the mic now. <laughs> <laughs> Jose out. Yeah. Right. Um, so what was the theme of your final essay? My final essay, I wrote about this comparison of the two books. Uh, uh, Chef... Uh, 
Matisek and, and Murshima-san, they, well, you write something that you learn in this class. And I wrote it about the language of approaching both cuisines and how same product can have two different interpretations from, um, from two different people, from two different cultures. So my final essay was underlining is there is more than one way to approach a preparation, but there's just one word that has to define it at the end that it's excellence. And in the prime culinary school in the world, the CIA, mm. that's why we are driven for it. So that's our value. And doesn't matter how we approach it, it has to be excellent the way and the final product. That mm. was my essay at the end. Oh. Mm. Can I have a copy of it? <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I will double check this We're it out to all new students. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so how are you going to use the knowledge, that experience you earned from the, the program? I think uh, you just gave me a new goal. Maybe I combine Wagashi and Western pastries <laughs> and come something out of it. I think the way my classmates and I, because I, I want to speak on behalf of all of us, if I'm allowed to do that, I think we're going to apply it in anywhere we go. Mm-hmm. First of all, we are going to be promoters of Japanese culture. We're going to be promoters of products, for example, like Santori, which uh, we're going to encounter anywhere we go in the industry. We're going to be uh, ambassadors of the CIA uh, and the Siju Institute of Japan. In oh, we have to cook this way, or let's use shito leaves instead of using parsley. Let's mm. use dashi instead of using chicken stock. That's something that we can approach. And third, a way that we can use it is just modifying our daily living. Modifying mm. our daily living, probably we were not doing something that we like, but now we know there's a process. Mm. And every time we're in the kitchen, instead of doing step one, two, three at the same time, we're going to do step one, then step two, and then step three. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, this funny thing that one of my uh, chef friends who had uh, some training in Japan, and when he came back, um, his, his colleagues were laugh- laughing. He, he used to kick and shut uh, the fridge door on by uh-huh. his leg. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that mm. quietly by hand like what happened to him yeah that's how zen mind and you have to respect everything yes. in the kitchen Every sounds like day. sounds yeah. like the japanese yeah. class of the cia <laughs> yep. right. and that's that's an important learning step too is to to really appreciate the every detail you mm. know and that's 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 what's amazing about this particular class is that it really focuses down on something as simple as the water um you know the just the tap water that we have here in in anywhere in the u.s is going to be a little bit different than in japan and and certainly in different places in japan but the you know the the mineral free is really important you want soft water for cooking and that's one of the details that Mm. in the western world water just comes out of the tap you don't think about hardness or softness of the water and mineral content and how that affects food but that is the very first step in japanese cooking is you don't just use the whatever water is available you use the best water and that Mm. typically is soft water mineral free because it opens up more flavor and more uh, elements to of of taste and and that detail is unusual in the mm. Western world, and that's that's really what's interesting about right. this, Chef this just experience. Put it in the most beautiful words. Yeah. Yes, mm. yeah. yes, it's all about the water. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, throughout history, it's been built up, and I think that's uh, and actually, um, you know, the in Kyoto, I, I spent some time in Kyoto, the, the chefs' kitchens, and like ten days, and one of the chefs said we used to just train. We didn't even think of, um, you know, 
just uh, measuring time, temperature, more scientific way. Mm -hmm. And now we started doing it. So it's kind of like, you know, both worlds coming together. Oh, yeah. And I think by collaborating with the CIA, I think Japanese um, culinary world could be inspired more, too. Yeah, and it's a collaboration. It's, you know, you're always going to get, uh, we're going to pull the best things out for us at the CIA from Suji. They're going to they're gonna pull the best thing, the best experience from us and use it at their school. Mm. Um, students benefit from that 100% because they're seeing that interaction of, of two chefs in the kitchen who come at it from totally different directions, both good, but the outcome is that much better because they're, mm. they're sort of uh, cooking down and, and refining that, that experience for the students. And the students walk away with that, that knowledge that, that's crucial to mm. them being successful. Right. Okay, so the when is you say the next course uh, is going to be in, uh, in this fall? Again? Next fall, September. Uh, I want to say nineteen, but mm. uh, it could be. I think it's fifteen, possibly. It's just that that second week in September. Right until December. Until December, yeah. Okay, great. And uh, so, any changes from uh, the last one in terms of? Uh, yeah, I hate to say it. Um, the, unfortunately, Jose, cover your ears. Um, there will be a trip. Uh, in the beginning of this particular <laughs> class uh, for six or seven days, we're going to send students over to Japan on a, a curated trip of Osaka and Tokyo to taste and experience uh, some things before they start the class wow. so that they'll have a little deeper, uh, a deeper understanding by having lived uh, for a short time in, mm. in Japan. Um, so that's coordinated with uh, Tsuji Community School? And Santori, yeah. Okay. So we're working, and uh, our other Japanese partners. Right. So we're working with a variety of, of uh, businesses and groups to fund uh, a trip for the students before mm. before the class starts, which was not an element of this particular mm. uh, class, and that's how we're morphing the this class into what we call a concentration, which will be a full semester in by the fall of 18, right. 2018. So. Wow. So maybe you can come back and talk about the trip. Yeah, when, no, absolutely. Done, right? yeah, yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Um, okay, and uh, so I heard that uh, uh, the last course, I mean this, the, the previous and last uh, sem semester, there was the first phase of uh, Border CIA Japanese Studies initiative. So what kind of um, program development are you expecting in the next five years? Like gradually adding trips or exchange programs maybe? Well, the first class was just a class. Mm. Um, so one day a week for seven hours. Uh, the next iteration will be a class with a trip prior. Uh, in the following year, it'll be a full semester class, so mm. five days a week. So instead of one day a week, they, you know, with just a focus on uh, the, the fundamentals, they'll spend 15 weeks focusing on a lot, a lot of different elements of Japanese cuisine to hopefully advance that education and grow that experience for the mm -hmm. students. That concentration in two years will involve more than likely a four-week uh, you know, a uh, travel trip and tasting and, and cooking experience in Japan. Right. So, and, and not just uh, Tokyo or Osaka, but hopefully Kyoto and other places, uh, mm. just so we can get the full, the full experience in a four week period. And then certainly a lot of that will be taught by, uh, in collaboration with Japanese chefs coming to, to mm, our campus. Right. So. Interesting. So um, 
Maybe you couldn't tell, depending on who the demographics of who students, nine students this time, but are they planning to do something with the Japanese cuisine when they um, graduate? This particular group, I, I think there's probably at least one or two that are, are a little more focused on, on Japanese cuisine specifically. Mm. Um, but certainly moving forward, we're going to draw uh, students that are, are, are hyper-focused in, mm. in uh, uh, nailing down a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine to open Japanese restaurants, mm. you know, I would imagine. Uh, we do have uh, graduates from the past who are uh, either Japanese or American that have uh, Asian uh, restaurants, uh, sort of a pan-Asian mm. uh, style. Uh, Ivan Ramen, I hate to right. use the name, um, <laughs> but he's a graduate that mm. you know is, is kind of reasonably popular in Japanese cuisine, right. even though he's, uh, you know, a, an American citizen you know, mm -hmm. from the U.S. Um, but certainly he stands out as a, as a past graduate. But going forward, I, I absolutely see mm. you know, uh, students growing and, and, and opening and, and doing things. And, right. Well, Ivan is an interesting example because I think he's a uh, ramen to me, and he explained too, um, it was lighter. And yeah. that was a very fresh approach to the ramen yeah. that I knew. And say you graduate, eventually you open a Kaiseki restaurant, that could be something interesting. It could be, it could be you right. know, and stranger things have happened in the culinary world, so uh, <laughs> that's that's a good thing, mm. I think. And, and the world, as it as it blends and mixes and grows, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Right. I think it's always uh, progress, Yeah. not backwards, never. No, no, absolutely. I want to say, for example, just adding to the examples that Chef just gave, um, Samuel Losov and Evan Saga, the two members of uh, yeah. our class that were uh, helping the faculty, both of them have spent time in Japan. Both of them are devoted to work with, with Japanese cuisine. They have experience working in Japanese restaurants in Tokyo and mm. in Kyoto, both of them. So those are other two examples of how yeah. CA students get engaged after they graduate mm. uh, from the institute. So we, we had a Japanese chef and a CIA chef. We also had... Uh, uh, um, an assistant to the chef, sort of a sous chef, that was Evan Zaga, and uh, a translator who was also a big part of the class as far as the instruction, uh, Sam Lozoff, who uh, studied Japanese uh, culture and language, lived in Japan for mm. a number of years, um, and also worked in Japanese restaurants in Japan, which is really unusual. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but he brought a lot to the table, and as did Evan. Um, and they, Evan was a big part of opening Brushstroke with Chef Murashima. So mm. they were in the background of our class as a part of the teaching experience. But they are probably further down the road to doing something more mm. uh, specific in the Japanese cuisine world I... than most other American chefs. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I heard that the CIA is now uh, authorized to certify culinary students having achieved a significant level of mastery of Japanese cuisine. Um, this is certified by uh, a Japanese NPO called uh, JRO. And uh, their mission is to educate people outside Japan and about Japanese cuisine by supporting Japanese restaurants overseas in various ways. So CIA obviously is the first institution. We're the very first. Yeah. Right. And, and Jose is one of the, uh, the, the, first? the only nine in the US, <laughs> uh, that are certified in Japanese cuisine. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. right. So um, the, how do you expect the future of Japanese cuisine in this country and maybe in Mexico? Oh my! <laughs> to grow, 
to grow. Mm. The future is going to be to grow. Definitely more awareness. And as I said before, I don't feel like my generation is going to take over and try to modify it. Mm. I think my generation is going to grab Japanese cuisine in the United States, Canada, Mexico, even South America, which we are seeing with places like Central in Peru. Mm. And they are not going to modify it. They're just going to start promoting it. Um, So that's going to be a one that's going to start popping out. And second, it's the fusion. I think fusion never gets old. Um, and we're going to be start seeing tacos made with uh, shito leaves, mm. tacos made with uh, light or dark sauces. And we're going to be seeing that al- around every other restaurant. Mm. So a great awareness of Japanese ingredients and flavors. Mm. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Dean will have. No, I agree. And we I think we talked a little bit when we started Um you know, food food is a language that all people speak. You, you, had, uh, Jose had spoken a little bit about that. Um, we all speak that language. It doesn't matter where we come from. We all eat. Mm. Um, we all like good food, and and it doesn't really matter where you go in the world. Mm. Food is important right. uh, to to everyone. Um, it, it it's our common it's our common language, even when we don't speak the language um, that we're visiting or, or touring in. And I think that's that's really important because you can always pick up something from another culture, and, and certainly uh, Mexican, Japanese, uh, other other cuisines around the world they they bring a lot to the table, mm. you know. And uh, we've we've taken bits and pieces of those cuisines throughout the last fifty mm. years, and that fusion is is a fairly new thing, you know. the The world was very segregated as far as food you know, 50, 60 years ago. And mm-hmm. it is, you know, today you can go pretty much anywhere in the world and find a Japanese restaurant, uh, an Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. a Mexican restaurant, um, an American restaurant if you go outside of the U.S. I mean, they exist. And it, it's amazing when you do travel that you see all these things. Mm-hmm. And, and that just tells you how important the, the different cuisines are. And mm-hmm. Japanese is everywhere. I mean, it's it's literally in every country I've been to, and I've been to a lot of them, and it, it's amazing, mm. you know that. And it, it's it's also amazing that they're unbelievably consistent wherever you go. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's Sao Paulo, Brazil, or you know Singapore or uh, L.A. Nice. They're they're going to be pretty pretty consistent, mm. you know, flavors and textures and and uh, the food styles and whether it's a Japanese chef or not, the the training is there and the uh, the experience with the, the techniques and the products right. is there. And if you have that basis, you can then use all of those things to, mm. your, to your own benefit as a chef. Right. But I really appreciate that you really have a great source of information. And obviously, someone like Jose, who learned so much out of that three months. So it's very impressive. So thank you so much for creating that program. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yeah, so please keep us posted. Yes, yeah, it's so many things. It's going to happen. Sounds yeah, you have to come up and yes. uh, Oh, taste. yeah, definitely. Yeah. We can do a show at CAA. Uh, oh, yes, you right. can. Yes. Right? <laughs> Live show from yeah. the class. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, so where's the best inf- uh, place to find the information about the Japanese program at CAA? Um, probably our website. Okay, uh, that's uh, caachef.edu. caachef.edu. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, yeah, I checked, and then there's no uh, new program information yet, so... Not yet. This this program is pretty pretty new for us, mm-hmm. and, and we're still growing into next fall. So as we grow, 
right. forward. It will be more uh, prevalent. Okay. The, the information will be out there. Right. But I was able to search. I, it's the Japanese program. There are like press releases. About yeah. Details, yeah. There's a lot so. of those. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's great. Okay. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, listeners, um, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org. And Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays, always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes and Stitcher podcast. And please go to iTunes and Stitcher and write a review. We will appreciate your feedback. And today's show is made possible by Corinne. And our engineer is David Satatasiore. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.